0: take your bibles this morning to the book of numbers that's genesis exodus leviticus numbers that's the fourth book of the bible Uh, numbers chapter nine numbers chapter nine as you know we are sunday mornings going through the life of moses moses was the one that god chose to deliver israel from their bondage in egypt And after that deliverance, it was Moses then who led them the next 40 years. So we're looking at the life of this man. And, of course, all that's recorded, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, We find ourselves this morning in Numbers chapter 9. And I would like us to read five verses together. There's a reason for it. It all makes sense. It's really the platform for the message. We could read Numbers chapter 9 beginning in verse 4, reading verse 4 through verse 8. Numbers 9, verse 4 to 8. Let's begin reading, read together, reading out loud in verse number 4. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month that even in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel." And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man, that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and before Aaron on that day. And those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back, that we may not offer an "an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel?" And Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we are so thankful for each one that's here. Lord, as always, we prayed minister to our folks that are regular that could not come, help them. Some not well, maybe some out of town. Lord, we are so thankful for each one that's come this morning. Help us, uh, help us to understand what this text is talking about. And Lord, help us to apply it in a very practical way. Guide my words, fill me with your spirit. May this draw us closer to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, uh, we've been in the book of Numbers for a few weeks. And of course, Numbers, it's called that because it's got all kinds of numbers in it. There's the numbers of the nation of Israel, numbers of tribes, numbers of people in each tribe. Numbers of soldiers, numbers of battles, numbers of casualties. All kind of numbers in God uh, appropriately, everything God does is appropriate, but God appropriately called this book the book of Numbers. And uh, You know that last Sunday we were in Numbers 5. And if you missed it, we looked at a very strange brew that was made. And it was uh, in Numbers chapter 5, it was about a man that was jealous of his wife. Whether she had been unfaithful or not unfaithful, he was jealous. He thought that she'd been unfaithful. And if he thought that, he could take his wife to the tabernacle, the house of God. He would take a jealousy offering, and he would take her to the priest, and he said, I suspect that my wife has been unfaithful. Well, that priest would receive his offering. That priest would then take a cup, and he'd put water in that cup, And then he would take some dust from the ground of that tabernacle and he would put that in there, shake it up, and he would put it into this suspected woman's hands. And he said, now, if you are innocent, if you've not been unfaithful to your husband, then you'll drink this and nothing will happen. Just be dirty water. But if you have been unfaithful, when you drink this, it will make your belly to swell and your thigh to rot. And he would tell her that, and she would be told to say, amen, amen. So she was literally amening the judgment of God on her if she'd been unfaithful. And that's a strange brew. And you know what? From that text, say preacher, what do you get from that? You need to be faithful to your wife. You need to be faithful to your husband. There is no excuse for shopping around, for looking for another. There is none. I know that the world has approved of that kind of lifestyle. God hasn't changed. And though adultery might be acceptable by Hollywood, it might be acceptable by so many governments, it's never been acceptable to God. The Bible says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge, and God still will. We looked at that strange cup, and and then we looked over at the uh, red-eyed cup of liquor. Do you know, in churches today, churches seem to be more and more welcoming to this idea that a social drink is okay. It's not okay. God has not changed his mind. Wine is a mocker, and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise last cup that we looked at last week was the lord's supper and when you partake of that it's to be a remembrance of what jesus did for us on the cross of calvary now if you take it in your hearts right god will bless you for it if you take it and yet there is unresolved sin that same cup that's a blessing to so many others becomes a cup of judgment. And so that's what we looked at. Preacher, what are we looking at this week? Well, we're in Numbers chapter 9, and verse 1 tells us about an event that happened in the second year. If you remember, they wandered for 40 years. So this is the second year of that wandering. Look at Numbers 9, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year, after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, so if you remember, and if you don't, you're about to hear it, if you remember the nation of Israel, after being in bondage in Egypt for four generations, Moses came and through a series of ten plagues, Convinced Pharaoh to let those Jews go. They actually went on the first Jewish month, the 14th day of the month of the first year. This is now the exact same day the next year. So, exactly one year has passed since they escaped Egypt. If you remember again, that night that they escaped, it was the 10th plague. Moses told those people, if you will slay a lamb and put that blood on the doorpost and the lintel, when the death angel comes over your home, if he sees the blood, that death angel will pass over. If he doesn't see the blood on your door, that death angel will take the life of the firstborn in that home. And so that's called the Passover. And ever since that first night, that Passover night, God has said every year on the first month, the 14th day of the month, I want you to remember the Passover. So now we're in the second year. One year has passed since they were delivered. That's why, look there, if you would, in verse number 4, and Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. So he said, it's time. Well, I know that we've been out for a year, but God said every year we're supposed to repeat this, verse 4. He says to the nation, now it's time. Well, let's have a look. Did they do that? Verse 5. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at even in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel so they did moses said it's time to keep the passover and these people kept the passover hold on a minute almost all the people kept it there were some men that couldn't look at it verse five that's sorry verse six and there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the passover on that day and so god had instituted back in exodus that every year, the first month, the 14th day, you're supposed to keep this Passover, except if you have in some way been defiled. So if you have touched a dead body, then, then, then you're not clean, then you're not pure, then you can't partake of it. So again, in verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, we have most of Israel kept the Passover in the second year, first month, 14th day. But some men came to Moses and said, Moses, we can't. We're not able to partake of the Passover. We have been defiled by touching a dead body. We, we didn't know that that would create an issue. But we had to take care of a relative of ours, and we had to bury his body today. And right after we did that, someone else reminded us, you can't partake of the Passover. Moses, what do we do? In fact, they ask a specific question there and uh, verse number seven. And those men said unto him, unto Moses, we are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore, are we kept back that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel? Notice it ends with a question mark. So they had a question. These men said, we because of circumstances, cannot take part of this Passover. Are we going to be left out? What can we do to fix it? It, it, It's not that we didn't want to. It's that we couldn't. Could I begin by saying, you need to commend these men. These men didn't, by intent, plan to miss the Passover. These men didn't purposely, and they weren't negligent on purpose, The fact that these men came to Moses and said, what can we do? We don't want to miss out on this thing. What can we do? I think that's to be commended. Folks, every one of us, sometimes outside of our circumstances, there is something that's taken place in our life. It's not that we planned it. It just happened. And if that's the case for you and me, Do you know what you're going to begin to see at that moment? You're going to begin to see the heart of those people. So very first, we we see the heart of these men that missed the second year of the Passover. And they said, Moses, are are we just left out? Can't we do anything? Look what Moses responds to these men, verse 8. And Moses said unto them, stand still. And I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And so he said, listen, I don't have an answer for this. How about I go to God and you just sit tight, don't go anywhere, stay still. I will help you with the answer. Uh, Look there in verse 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body, or be in a journey afar off, yet he shall keep Passover on the Lord. He said, doesn't matter if they're unclean, doesn't matter if they're away on a vacation. God said, they still have to keep it. Well, how's that possible? Well, look at verse 11. The 14th day of the second month at even they shall keep it and eat uh, it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it according to all the ordinances of the Passover they shall keep. And so the Lord says, this is what to do. If you have missed the Passover when it was supposed to be, first month, 14th day, either you were defiled, you touched a dead body, you were away on a journey and you could not make it, then God said, I'm going to give you an alternative Instead of you keeping it the first month, the 14th day, you're going to be able to keep it the second month, the 14th day. God had a prescription that they could follow. Do you know when God told that to Moses and Moses told that to these men, we're now going to see their heart again. What if these men had said, yeah, that won't work for us. Just forget it. (laughs) Do you know any Christians like that? Something they claim was out of their control. Prevented them from doing something they should have done. And you provide them an alternative so it can still be fulfilled. Not interested. (laughs) You're about to see their heart. We aren't told what these men responded by the fact that they were interested enough to go to Moses to ask him, what can we do? We have to assume that they said, deal, count us in. This whole thing really reveals the heart. If you're taking notes this morning, and I know that many of you do, my title is The Difference is the Heart. Again, The Difference is the Heart. And I think as much as these men, out of their control, were not able to take part of that Passover, the fact that they wanted to and the fact that they looked for a way to fix it, I think they were spiritually giants in God's eyes. Folks, every one of us, uh, outside of our circumstances, things will happen, but you're going to reveal what's in your heart. It's a snowy day. Do you know how many snowy days we've had in my pastorate of 33 years? Lots of them. And inevitably Sunday morning somebody will call up our home and pastor, I can't make it to church today. My car can't get out. There's a snow drift. I'm just not able to go. It's funny when it's somebody that has a 4x4 pickup truck that says that, that they brag that they can get through anything. But we'll put that aside. We'll not say that. I don't want to poke at people. But when, when people call and say, Preacher, I can't make it to church today. My car won't start. There, there is a drift that prevents me. How many times have I said, Listen, we'll get someone else with a truck to pick you up. You know what you're about to see? You're about to see what's really in their heart. Because if they say, I don't bother. They didn't really want to come anyway. And this car won't start. Or snowdrift, folks, that's really just an excuse to camouflage what's in their heart. You know, I can't see your heart and you can't see mine. But well, what's in your heart? Do you know this word heart? The Bible uses this word heart 884 times. It's not talking about that organ. We're praying for Bob Ford because of heart issues. We're not talking about that. This heart, when the Bible speaks, to talking about it. your thoughts and your ambitions, your desires. Uh, The Bible says that there's a great deal of importance with your heart. Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 4, verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Uh, We're commanded to love the Lord with all of our heart. Deuteronomy 6, 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart how anxious the devil is to steal our hearts, how anxious the world is to fill our hearts. In fact, in Noah's day, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So our hearts are constantly at risk. Preacher, you don't have to worry about me. You know, my heart's doing okay. Well, the Bible also says the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. So be careful at trusting your heart because your heart can trick you. Now, let me give you some scenarios where maybe this would show up in your life. I know that we don't keep the Passover and so you say, well, that doesn't really affect me. What if your alarm didn't go off this morning? And you always set your alarm so that you can get up, so you have enough time so you can read your Bible and talk to God in prayer and then have breakfast and then race off to work somewhere and you say preacher it's sunday and and my alarm didn't go off and i didn't have time for bible reading and prayer this morning all i had time was to quickly eat breakfast and to race off to church if your heart is genuine in that statement you will find some other time today to read your bible and pray if your heart's not genuine That that no alarm business is just an excuse why you won't do what you say you really wanted to do. Uh, Could I say that uh, absentmindedly, uh, sometimes we start eating, shame on us, sometimes we start eating before we remember to pray. How many of that's ever happened to you? Four honest people here. Um, I remember when our children were at home, and and my son can verify this, that once a while we're all around the table and, and my wife sets out the food and it's great food and we start dishing it out to plates and sometimes in our anxiousness to eat, sometimes we dig in before we pray. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty, I'm guilty, not of doing that. I'm guilty of looking at which of my children's got a mouthful of food and said, you know what, we always pray before we eat, and so how many times would I pick on Angie or pick on Ben or Holly and say, Angie, why don't you pray for the... her mouth is full of food? Do you know if you genuinely forgot to pray before you started eating, if your heart was right, even after three mouthfuls, you'd say, hey, we forgot to pray. Let's pray if your heart's right. I uh, think that this practical application is uh, if, if you were sick on a Sunday. Now, I know that many of our folks, uh, they send their tithes and offerings through e-transfer, and I'm, I'm not picking on that. But there was a time where people brought their tithes and offerings, and still some do. Do you know, if you were sick one Sunday, if your heart was still right, you'd still somehow get God's portion of God. You'd still work. And whether that be the next Sunday or the next day on e-transfer, you'd still do it. So, preacher, I miss Sunday. I guess I miss tithing. No, unless you're looking for an excuse to miss tithing. Folks, the electric bill is the same whether you're here or not. The heating bill, which is atrocious, is the same whether you're here or not. I'm saying to you, it's all a matter of the heart. Do you know if you're traveling somewhere And though you're always at church when you're here, you know when you're traveling somewhere and it's Sunday, I think you ought to find church. How many times has our family been on vacation? We find a church. Uh, Again, when we got to see the Ark Encounter a month ago, uh, in our plans for that, we planned to find a church that Wednesday night. And there was a Bible Baptist church, I think of Greendale, Illinois, something like that, and uh, we walked in there, and uh, they said, you, you, you look like new faces. Said, no, they're old. No, here, new faces here. And uh, what, what are you doing here? I said, well, it's, it's church. It's Wednesday night. It's Bible study It's church time. Folks, just because you can't get to your church on a service time, if your heart's right, you'll find that church. So this whole passage is about the heart. This whole passage begins with men that couldn't keep the Passover and, whether they had circumstances that kept them from that. They went to Moses and said, how can we fix that? Good on them. And Moses came back with, here's how you can fix it. Again, good on them. And so, again, this morning I'm preaching on this matter of the difference is the heart. Do you know, I talked to a preacher, and this was a few years ago, a pastor in Alberta and he said that his church, uh, you know, uh, there was a businessman came to do business in Alberta. And uh, that businessman, bless his heart, it's Sunday morning, he said, I go to church. And so, sure enough, he looked in some phone books and, uh, in his hotel and he found a church that was near his hotel. And so he, he, he walked there. It was close enough. It was all boarded up. And so he thought to himself, well, that's not going to work. He quickly found a phone book. This is the phone book era. And uh, he uh, found another church that was within walking distance. He walked there. Brace yourself. He walked in there and found out that there was a woman that pastored. Well, that didn't cut it. And so he walked out of there. And uh, he got a taxi to the third church. And in the third church, believe it or not, not making this up, they're in the middle of the service, and someone pulls a fire alarm, and they all have to get out of the church. This man is so frustrated that he couldn't be in a church service. It was outside of his circumstances. You know what? That Sunday night, he got a taxi, drove halfway across the town, he walked into this church, and he went, Phew. preacher said, well, what does that mean? He said, I finally found a church. But I say, it, it, it doesn't matter the reason that we couldn't. God's going to show your heart, my heart. After we couldn't, what we'll do next? I'd like to show you several hearts where that uh, is illustrated. Uh, Incidentally, uh, I I read this yesterday. It is great. It was told, apparently it's a true story, told by a man named James McGinley. And he was a preacher. And he was preaching in a different church. And a lady approached him at the close of the service And she said, Preacher, I have a problem, and I would like your advice. Now, I'm telling you what the article says. And he said, Well, sure. He said, But you've got a pastor here. Well, she said, I don't come to this church. I'm just visiting here this morning. In fact, she said, I attend a church in town, and the minister doesn't believe in the Genesis account of creation. And she said, uh, "My, My preacher, he doesn't believe that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. He doesn't believe that the story of Jonah is true, doesn't believe in the virgin birth. He doesn't believe in Jesus resurrecting from the dead, doesn't believe in the second coming. And so she said, should I continue in that church and help support such a minister? Well, he looked at her. I mean, folks, that's almost a no-brainer, I hope. And so he looked at her, he said, my good woman, are you a born-again believer? And she said, why, yes. She said, 25 years ago I got saved and I remember that event very well. He said, well, then you have come to the wrong source for advice. You don't need to ask a preacher. You need to ask a psychiatrist. (laughs) He said, because if you're a born-again Christian, the church that you attend doesn't believe anything that's dear to the heart of a Christian. So she said, or he said, you don't need a preacher's advice. You need a psychiatrist's advice. Your problem's a mental problem. And she got a little offended. Now, hold on. Now we're going to see the heart. Are you with me? And so this woman said, well, you don't understand. My grandfather helped build that church. My grandfather, with hammer and nails and saw and tape measure, he helped build that church. In fact, she said, I sit in the very pew that my grandparents used to sit in. In fact, she said, I don't think I could get anything from God if I sat in any other pew of that church. (laughs) And he just, he went like this. He said, ma'am, got problems. And she got so offended that she turned on her heels, walked out of that church, and he says, I suppose, back to her church. Folks, uh, uh, every one of us is is thrown curveballs. Some of them are slow and some of them are fast. You still have to do right. For right's sake, and people will watch your heart. And so again, we're looking at this. You're breaching it. I want to look at several hearts here. Look there at Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4, we're, we're going to look at several kinds of hearts. Sometimes the heart matches the action. Sometimes the heart doesn't match the action. Look there in Acts chapter number 4. So you won't need the book of Numbers, you can let that go, but Acts chapter number 4. And uh, look there if you would in verse number 34, Acts 4 and verse 34. The Bible says, uh, neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the, the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Preacher, what's going on? Well, do you know this is the very same year that Jesus ascended back to heaven? We read that in Acts 1, and if you have dates on the top of the page, it's the same year. So later, months later, not years later, but months later, what's happening, this church of Jerusalem, there were some believers that were poor believers, And uh, they were so poor they couldn't make ends meet. And so the apostles, still at that church, said, You know what? There are some people here in the church that legitimately have a need. They're not lazy, they're not slothful, they're not wasting money, they're not gambling their money, they're not buying lotto 649 tickets. They are careful with their funds and they just can't make ends meet and just want you to know and you know there were people in that jerusalem church that said you know what i can be a help and there were people there according to verse number 34 that uh, said uh, you know what we've got lands and we've got houses and we can sell them no one made them do this we could sell them and we could bring the money that we have sold them for bring it to the church bring it to the apostles." And the apostles would know how best to distribute. Now, folks, I'm not trying to get in your pocketbook, so you can relax. Do you know, question, was that a good action or a bad action? It was a good one. That was a good act, a good action. It was a good deed. You know, we're given the name of one of the Christians in Jerusalem that did that. Look there in verse 36. It says, and Jose, if you want to call it Joseph, help yourself, but and Jose, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So verse 36 and 37 just gives us one example of many in that church that wanted to do this kind of a generous deed. I want you to know that Barnabas didn't do it because he was looking for the attention of people. Barnabas, uh, he didn't do it because he wanted to be highlighted. Because he wanted all eyes on him. We're not told whether anybody in that church knew that Barnabas did it. I suppose other than the 12 apostles. Uh, If you're taking notes, our God sees it when there's a right action is associated with a right heart. If you want to write something down, again, we're looking at the differences of heart. God sees it when a right action is associated with a right heart. And that was this man. His action was a right action. No one made him do it. He didn't have to do it. Of the kindness of his heart, he had a right heart, and that right heart evidenced itself in a right action. Isn't it true that our Lord, when he walked this earth, our Lord said, uh, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And you know what? I trust that that's why you do what you do. I trust that that's why I do what I do. Uh, Whatever it is you do, and and when it comes to a church, I, I hope you come because you just want to be in church. Because you just want to be challenged with preaching. Because you just want to be with other Christians and and not only be blessed by their presence, but to be a blessing. Folks, this is the very best thing that God could ever see in a believer. A good action that is associated uh, with a good heart or a right action that's associated with a right heart. Do you know God will bless you if that's why you do what you do? Incidentally, uh, we read this man's name, verse 36. And I know his first name was Jose, but it says he was surnamed. That would be last name Barnabas. Do you know that that's not the last time that we read about this man named Barnabas? In fact, Barnabas' name, it shows up 29 times in the Bible. This is just the first time. Do you know the next time after Acts chapter number 5, sorry, Acts chapter 4, uh, we find that uh, Saul had just gotten saved, later Paul. And Saul tried to break his way into that Jerusalem church, and whether it just had too many clicks, or whether they just were skeptical of Saul, Barnabas went to Saul and said, I'll help you get in. What a blessing. Uh, Barnabas was a giving man, Acts 4. Barnabas was a friendly man, Acts 9. Acts chapter number 11, we find that many of the believers uh, took the gospel up to Antioch. Antioch was a church way up north. And uh, when that church at Antioch began to be developed, uh, this church at Jerusalem sent Barnabas. Said, Barnabas, you're a good-hearted Christian. We want you to go up and help establish that church. I'm saying to you, Barnabas's name shows up time and time again. And finally in Acts 13, when the first two missionaries went out on a missionary journey, those two were Barnabas and Saul. Do you know where the blessing on Barnabas's life started? When he did a simple, generous deed because he had a good heart. You say, preacher, my Sunday school class has gotten smaller. If you have a good heart, you'll still reach those that do come. Pastor, the, the church isn't the size that it used to be. Well, every one of us have to put the same amount of heart into what we do. It could have been a snowstorm today. There could have been five show up instead of 45. Do you know your heart and my heart is evidenced? by why we do what we do. And so the very first heart that our Lord sees is a right action that's associated with right heart. And God will always bless that. The Bible says in Hebrews 6.10, and if if ever you sign a card, a thank you card, this is always a good reference to put there, Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unrighteous, to forget, I better get it right, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister again. Our God sees a right action that's associated with right heart. Now, you're still in Acts. Look at Acts 5. Right after we found an example of somebody named Barnabas who did a right action because he had a right heart. Look at Acts chapter number 5. Bible says in verse 1, but, no, I've said it before, every time we find that word but, it always changes the direction that we were going. The last two verses of chapter 4, we've got a good hearted man named Barnabas sold a piece of land, put the money at the apostles' feet. What a great direction for Barnabas. Acts 5, verse 1, but, let's keep reading, Acts 5, 1. But a certain man named Ananias was Sapphira's wife, sold a possession. Wow. Looks like they're going to be doing the same thing as Barnabas. We find there in verse number three. I'm sorry, verse number two. And kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Do you know what this is? This, if you write the second one, this is a right action that's associated with the wrong heart. If it was a right action for Barnabas to give, well, it's a right action for Ananias and Sapphira to give. They both did something that was right. But, though Barnabas' heart behind it was right, Ananias and Sapphira's heart was wrong. I say, preacher, how do you know that? Look at verse 3, Acts 5, verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? It was a heart issue. Could I say that God sees when you and I do the right thing, but with a wrong heart? When we do a deed to be seen of people, instead of doing a deed because God's laid it on our heart, because God has enabled us to do it, the same God that saw Barnabas do a right deed associated with a right heart, that same God saw Ananias and Sapphira do a right deed with a wrong heart. Keep your hand there in Acts. Look uh, with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And folks, we we always have to examine our heart. I can't see yours, you can't see mine. That's probably a good thing. But our Lord, when he was preaching here, the Sermon on the Mount, look there in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. Hold on. Alms is benevolent, a benevolent gift. He said, make sure you don't do a benevolent gift to be seen of them. Folks, you can give money to the poor for a wrong reason. You can give money to a missionary for a wrong reason. You can, I was going to say you can give money to your pastor. Could it ever be a wrong? Yeah, for a wrong reason. We can do good things with a heart that's not right. And he said, listen, don't give alms. Don't do that. To be seen of men. In fact, look there in verse 3, Mark 6, verse 3. And when thou uh, doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward the opening. So first about alms, he said, It's a right deed, but it needs to be done for the right reason. Look there in verse number five. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. Question, is praying right or wrong? It's right. It's right to pray. Folks, I have the opportunity to call upon some people in this church from time to time to pray. What a blessing, and, and, and I'm not for a moment saying that, you know, if, if your prayer is a developed prayer, you do it to be seen. I'm not saying that. But if you're praying what you're praying for the purpose of people hearing you and going, ah, oh, that's wrong. So that, that is a right deed associated with wrong harm. God sees that. God sees that. Before we leave Matthew, look at Matthew 6, verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites uh, of a, f- a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. So the second kind of heart God sees is a right action that's associated with wrong heart. Back there in Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. Another example of a right action with the wrong heart. There in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 18. Acts 8 and verse 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Pastor, what's going on? The gospel reached Samaria. And when the gospel reached Samaria, people were getting saved and... and uh, the Jerusalem church sent up Peter and John to help that church get established. Peter and John went up there and uh, Peter and John laid their hands on some people and they received the Holy Ghost. uh, That's all a dispensational thing. We don't get caught up in that. But when this stranger in that church, Simon, saw these apostles laying their hands on some converts and them getting the Holy Ghost when that happened, Simon said, I'd like to be able to do that. Simon said, I'd like to be able to help some new converts in exactly that same way. And so that's why Simon, look there again, Acts 8 and verse 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given he offered them money saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now stop there just for a minute. Would that have been a good deed or a bad deed? It'd be a good deed. Now folks, I know that we receive the Spirit of God the moment that we get saved. I understand that. But this would have been a good deed. I think that Simon wanted to do something that would help new Christians it's a right action look at Peter's response though look there in verse 20 but Peter said unto him thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter for thy heart is not right in the sight of God I'm I'm just trying to say that's another example of someone that wanted to do the right thing for the wrong motive we need to always check her heart preacher what, what I'm doing is right but is it for the right reason is it with the right motive we know that one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and at the judgment seat of Christ we're saved so it's, our eternity is already settled All of our deeds, all of our labors, all of our works will be judged by Jesus Christ of what sort it is. There is a motive that the Lord is checking. Listen, folks, if I stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I I, I pastored for over 33 years, and the Lord said, yeah, but why? Because you had to. (laughs) Uh, Lord, I I, I ushered for 25 years. Okay, but why? Uh, Lord, I I played an instrument for 10 plus years. Lord, I sang specials for... And Lord's going to say, yeah, but we need to look into that heart for why. We've seen so far that God sees a right action associated with right heart. Secondly, God sees a right action associated associated with a wrong heart. I give you a third thing, John chapter 18. John chapter number 18, and look there in verse number 10. Now, folks, we're going to get four by the time we're done. Everything that we do is going to fit into one of these four. It's either going to be a right action or a wrong action. It's either going to be for, with a right heart or a wrong heart. Here's the third one. John chapter 18 and verse number 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. (laughs) We're familiar with that. Our Lord, as he had the last supper with his disciples, he said, one of you is going to betray me. And he said, I am going to be arrested and all of you are going to scatter. And you know, Peter, Peter always had something to say. (laughs) And Peter said, not me, Lord although all the rest of these are going to abandon you. Not me, I'm sticking with you. And Lord said, Peter, 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 uh, the cock won't throw, uh, sorry, the cock won't crow until you have denied me three times. To- Peter said, not me, Lord, Mm-mm, not me. Well, as they went into that garden where Jesus prayed with his apostles, Judas leads the, these soldiers into that garden. And uh, Peter gets a pretty good read. <laughs> he knows exactly what's about to happen. So Peter takes out some sword that he's hiding. And he, well, Peter proved that he made a better fisherman than a soldier. Because John chapter 18, again, verse number 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it. And smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, I need you to think. Is it a good deed cutting off people's right ear or a bad deed? That's, that's almost a no, it's a bad deed. I wouldn't recommend it. We don't have any openings in this church for that kind of ministry. We're not looking for that. We have all kinds of openings, but not right ear lob, lobbing off. No, no, it, 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 he did a bad deed. Well, up to this point, we've seen a right action associated with the right heart. We've seen a right action associated with the wrong heart. Now we're seeing, third, a wrong action. He just decided, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Well, Peter was in the flesh when he did that. What's amazing about all that is, of course, Peter did flee when Jesus was arrested. Peter only went partway into that palace where Jesus was being tried. Peter stopped and warmed his hands by the fire of the very soldiers that arrested Christ. Boy, you know, I would look at that and say, Peter, 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 what's going on with you? I mean, swinging with a sword, cutting off ears, not going all the way, warming your, Peter, Peter, what's going on in your life? And yet, you know when our Lord rose from the dead three days later? The angels told the women, Mark 16, 7, you go tell the disciples and Peter that our Lord's going to meet them today. And you and I look at that and say, and Peter, (laughs) with all the things that Peter did just a few days, and Peter... Do you know why the Lord included Peter in that resurrection Sunday evening service? Because yes, he did a wrong action. But believe it or not, when the Lord looked down, he saw a right heart. There's none of us that can say we've never done a wrong action. There's none of us. Folks, all of us have kind of messed up. But you know, God looks down at your heart. And God can overlook even the mess-ups. The wrong person will take, this as a license to do is wrong. No, we're not going there. But folks, all of us have tried in in the midst. I, I think of Job. You know, when Job's misery continued, not just a day, but days, maybe weeks, who knows, months. When Job's misery continued, he he started saying, if God was here, I'd just tell him a thing or two. Well, God's just being... Job started saying some things that were wrong. But you know, his heart was right. Now folks, when you and I mess up, God sees our heart. God has graciousness. God's the God of the second chance. You say, preacher, how do you know that God saw a good heart in Peter. Well, we know it, because that's Resurrection Sunday. Those women were said, go tell the disciples and Peter. And then, Pentecost, Peter stands up and preaches, and 3,000 get saved. People won't forget when you mess up. People will use that mess up against you to say you're no longer fit. I'm sure glad God looks at the heart. And folks, it, it, how important for us to keep our heart right. How important that we just do the right thing for the right reason. We've seen three hearts so far. We've seen a right action associated with the right heart. That's the best thing to do. We've seen a right action associated with a wrong heart. We've seen a wrong action associated with a right heart. Uh, David. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Question. Right or wrong? Wrong, wrong. Listen, adultery is wrong. There is no excuse for it. None. But you know what? When you get to Acts 13, I think verse 22, God said that David is man after my own heart. What? It's his heart. It's his heart. Don't, could I say this and I'll get the fourth one and we'll be done. Don't measure Peter by his denying the Lord. That's, that was the lowest point of Peter's life. Measure Peter by the day of Pentecost. When he preached and God blessed that preaching. Don't write somebody off because that one bad day. See, well, it wasn't a bad day. Pastor, it was a bad week. Don't write somebody off because of a bad week. You see, Peter, when Jesus was being transferred between buildings during his trial, Peter looked up at Jesus and he wept. His heart was right. I give you the fourth thing. We're done with this. I'll look there in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter number 12. I'm just saying what we learn in the book of Numbers 9 is uh, God looks at the heart. Here are these men that had legitimate reason that they couldn't partake of that first Passover, uh, sorry, the second year, uh, and, and said, listen, we don't want to miss it. That's a good heart. And Lord provided an alternative. We have to believe that they said we'll do it because they had a good heart. Again, Mark chapter number 12. Look there in verse number 41. Mark 12 and verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there was a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Our Lord did something that we don't do. Could you imagine when these men take the offering? If I or someone else in this church watched what you put in the offering? Aren't you glad we don't do that? Aren't you glad that when an, an envelope's put in the offering, someone doesn't read your word. Oh, yeah, okay. It's empty. <laughs> okay. Aren't you glad? But the Lord did that. There was an offering taken at the temple, and the Lord stood there and watched what they gave. And some of these men, wealthy men, it would seem that they were putting of their abundance. They were putting lots in. And there was a woman. There was a woman, and what she put in there was two mites, which make a farthing. We would say it's not even a buck, not even a dollar. And the Lord looked at that, and the Lord looked at his disciples, and said, she has put more in than all the rest of these. I imagine some of those disciples pulled out their cell phone, went over to calculator and said, that is impossible that she gave more. That's what we're seeing there in Mark 12. Again, look at verse 42. Mark 12 and verse number 42. The Bible says there, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And do you know what? This, uh, this again is a right action and it's associated with a right heart. She just said, I want to give something to God. You might not have what others have. But if your heart's right, you just want to do something for God. You know, if you're like that, you say, preacher, I just don't have much. God will take what you have. Because it comes with the right heart. Say, preacher, isn't the last one supposed to be a wrong action with a wrong heart? There's too many references we could look at. You know, the greatest heart is, Lord, I just want to do something for you, something. I can't help but believe that this woman who said, I only have two minds, but I want to use it for God. God will bless you for her. What do you want to do for God? There are too many Christians. We're living in 2023. There are too many Christians who want to stand back and let everybody else do it. They don't want a ministry. They're, they're looking for an excuse to get out of any ministry. You know what this woman said? I can't do much. I'd like to do something. I heard, read about this woman. Her name was Louise Redden, very poorly dressed woman. She felt their whole life was crumbling apart. She walked into a small town grocery store. She approached the owner of the store in a most humble manner and she said, she wondered if she could take a few groceries and put them on credit. She explained to that grocer that her husband was very sick, unable to work. And she had seven children at home and they needed food. And she gave him her word that she would pay for the food. And that she wouldn't steal from anybody. And the grocer, his name was John Longhouse. He was a grocery, scoffed. He scoffed at her and demanded that she leave his store. Well, she tried to visualize the needs that her family had. "Please sir, I will pay the money back as soon as I can, I promise. But that grocer told her that he did not give credit to her kind, and uh, he, he, he wouldn't do it and demanded that she leave. While well, standing within earshot of that poorly dressed woman was a customer and he overheard the whole conversation. And that customer walked forward and said to the grocer that uh, he would stand good for whatever that woman said that she needed. And so the grocer is so upset now at that (laughs) man. And the grocer said, uh, do you have a grocery list? And she said, yes, sir. And he said, give me your grocery list. You put your grocery list on this side of the scale, and I'm going to let you take as many groceries until it overbalances." And so she took out a piece of paper, and she bowed her head, and she quickly scribbled something down on a piece of paper. And then she laid that piece of paper upside down on the one side of the scale. And to the grocer and the other customers, absolute shock, it went clunk, clunk, a piece of paper. And so the man is furious. He said, what do you need? And she would list this item, and he'd go get it, set it on the scale, and it would still stay like that. And she'd, he'd say, what else do you need? And this grocer went and got a bag full of groceries, and when it was the last item, the scale went like that. <laughs> and the grocer couldn't believe it. And the man pulled out a $50 bill, and he said, it was worth it. It was worth it all. That grocer found out later that the scale was broken. He took the note and turned it over. And she had written on that note that she had turned upside down, Dear Lord, you know my needs, and I'm leaving them in your hands. Her heart was right. And God blessed her because her heart was right. Whatever you do for God, thank you for doing it. But are you doing it for the right reason. And if circumstances have prevented you on occasion from doing what you even know you ought to do, God looks at the heart. That's why how many of our songs in our hymn book, Have Thine Affections Been Nailed to the Cross, Is Thy Heart Right with God?, Dost thou count all things for Jesus but loss? Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. The devil is going to use everything he can to throw at you. The disappointments of people, harsh words, maybe from friends, maybe family, devil's gonna try to damage your heart that's why Proverbs says keep thy heart with all diligence what's in your heart